Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Jesus came for the world. Jesus came for you, that you may have purpose. This year we have learned, well, that nothing in this world is certain except one thing. The promises of God. They're true, they're solid, you can stand on them as a solid foundation. Oh, may we give God thanks for His faithfulness, His unending and unabounding love, joy, grace, and mercy. Let's pray. Father, I just lift up all those who are watching this right now. Father, for whatever they may be facing this Christmas season, Lord, as we dive into, well, Lord, Christmas week, I pray that we would sense Your presence, Your anointing, to know that if God is for us, who could be against us? Father, Your will, Your way, in Jesus' holy name, amen. Well, it is Christmas week, and all kinds of sounds remind us of this great season called Christmas. The Christmas music, the fireplaces crackling, the sounds of a busy kitchen, of the baking and all the cooking, and jingle bells and caroling. But in the midst of all of that, of all the joyous sounds of a jolly, holly Christmas, there are some other sounds. Sounds of anguish and, and grief. It's true that tragedy and atrocity can come at the very worst time, especially at a time like Christmas. Maybe you or someone you know has faced a tragedy or face an atrocity, even worse if at Christmas. The grief and the hopelessness can be really beyond comprehension. But let's go back 2,020 years ago to the very first Christmas in Bethlehem. I'm sure we would hear all the sounds of a busy and an inn that's full of people, overflowing. We would hear animals feeding in the barn and angels singing on high. The sounds of excited shepherds and maybe even the sound of a first-time mother singing a lullaby to her baby, Jesus. But a few years later, there in the same little city called Bethlehem. Those Christmas sounds on the day Jesus was born have changed. Now they're replaced with the shouting and the yelling of soldiers and the screams of children of babies and the wailing of anguished mothers as Herod's soldiers 
have come to fill their orders by executing two-year-old baby boys and under. The wise men had come to worship the child and that was born to be king of the Jews. They had offered gifts to Jesus of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then after being warned in a dream, well, those wise men left and they took a different route back home. And that same night, all of a sudden, an angel, a dream comes to Joseph, warning him to take the mother, to take the child, and to head to Egypt. And out of an act of obedience, he gathers his wife and, his, and this newborn baby, and they gather all their belongings, their meager belongings, and they travel in the dead of night to a place called Egypt. You know, I want to stop there and shift gears a bit. Let me share this little story with you. It's kind of a humorous little story, but it makes a point. A guy sees a sign in front of, his a front of this house that says, Talking Dog for Sale. Well, just out of the curiosity of the sign, he goes up and he knocks on the door. And he says, hey, I see the sign about a talking dog. He goes, oh yeah, it's in the backyard. Open up the gate. You can go back there. Have a conversation if you want. So he goes on back there, and he sees this black mutt, and he walks right up and says, You talk? Yep, says the mutt. <laughs> so what's your story? Well, the mutt looks up at him and says this, Well, I discovered my gift of talking pretty young, and I wanted to help out my country. So I told the CIA that I have a gift of languages. I was a linguist. And in no time, they jetted me off all over the world. And here I am around leaders and rulers of different countries. And being a dog, they didn't suspect anything. And I just listened, brought all that information home. I got tired of jetting here and jetting there. You know, I'm a dog. I don't want to fly. Well, I got myself a new job there at the airport find some kind of suspicious characters and I'd just go and sit by them and I'd hear stuff and bring it over to my, my leaders. Well, then I got kind of tired of that, got myself a wife, had me a whole mess of pups, and now it's just time to retire. Well, he was just fabriclassed that this mutt talked like this. He went right up to the owner and said, how much you want for that mutt? He says, two bucks, it's yours. He says, that dog is amazing. Why on earth are you selling them so cheap? Now hear this. The owner says, that dog is nothing but a big liar. He didn't do any of that stuff he told you. And he's told me the same crazy stories. You can't believe a word he says. <laughs> you see, we all place high value on honesty. And truthfulness. And we have little tolerance for those who lie, even if it's a talking dog or a king named Herod. The wise men avoided Herod because they were warned in a dream 
that Herod wanted to come and kill that baby, even though he had said he wanted originally to come and worship. Amazing. Well, let's read this story out of Matthew chapter 2. We'll start at verse 12. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. They referring to the wise men. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. And the angel said, stay there until I tell you to return. Because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Verse 14. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary. Did you catch that? That night. Immediate obedience. He left with the child and Mary, his mother, and they, started, they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. Quote, I called my son out of Egypt. 16. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under. Based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance, 17. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping. And great mourning, Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. This passage of Scripture, it reveals the insecure and the insane old paranoid king who felt his kingship was being threatened when he heard that another king had been born. I think what would really bothered him is that it was a sign of the star in the heavens that really verified the prophecies. And he knew that this was divine intervention. When he couldn't find that child, he ordered that all the little babies, baby boys, two years and under, will be executed. So when you talk about the sounds of Christmas, maybe we need to also remember the shouting and the yelling of Herod's soldiers. The cries of the two-year-old baby boys and the wailing of mothers and fathers. For these were the sounds of the story of Christmas as well. Well, in our notes in the handout, if you want to fill in the blanks, the Christmas story reveals that. Number one, horrible suffering was still active, even though the Christ child had been born. On December the 17th, 1903, Orville and Wilbur Wright made their first flight in an airplane at Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. On their fifth attempt, the plane under the control of Orville um, will embark, and they got flight for 12 whole seconds. And Wilbur 
Well, he rushed over to the telegraph office, kind of like where we would rush to the phone to send a text or put something and post something. And he sent the following message to his sister. And it says, we have flown for 12 seconds. We will be home for Christmas. Well, upon receiving the telegram, it says that Catherine, the sister, went to the newspaper office, told the editor, this is a newspaper office, and he told, she told the editor that her brothers had flown for 12 seconds and that they were coming home for Christmas. He said, oh, I'll put something in the paper. So this is the first recorded flight of man, and what does he put in the paper? Quote, headline. December 19th, page 6. Wright brothers come home for Christmas. <laughs> Unbelievable. The most important story of the year, if not of the century. And the man's first flight it takes place. And what does the editor do? Completely misses the story. You know, pain and suffering can be like that. Where we see and hear only what we want to see and hear filtered through pain and suffering. We're unable to hear any kind of good news. Jesus has come to earth. Did we hear that? Emmanuel, God with us. And He's coming again. Our God is not beyond the stars. He's not far away in some distant, crazy heaven. Our God came to be with us. And as believers, He dwells and lives within us. That's part of the message of Christmas. But He came to die on the cross. To die for my sins and for your sins. That we could have heaven, a place to be in fellowship with Him, with all the family and friends, and for generations upon generations, we would all be together. See, the Bible is always honest. It never hides the whole story. I mean, don't we sometimes want to make... A story sounds so good that we just say this part of the story and we leave this part that's inconvenient out of the story. But the Bible doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. When the Bible tells a story of Christmas, it's not only telling us about the angels and the shepherds and the wise men and the gifts. It also tells us about King Herod and the soldiers and the wailing mothers and screaming baby boys. I can't imagine what it must have been like to be a parent in Bethlehem. As a parent, to have a little baby boy who's captured your heart and to see that sparkling eye inside that little baby boy and then without any warning, Herod's soldiers come, bursting through the door, searching through every nook and cranny and every basket, under everything and every room, until each and every baby boy is found, ripped from a mother's arms, and executed. It reminds me 
of the story of Moses. When the royal order was sent out by the Pharaoh to go and exterminate each and every baby boy born. I think the enemy's been after our king for a very long time. Anguish is still part of the Christmas scene, even today. There are many who are suffering, many who are lonely, many who are grieving even during the Christmas season. And for that reason, they struggle to be able to be happy at Christmas, especially Christmas celebrations. But Paul, the apostle, he spoke about suffering and, and, and hope even in the midst of suffering. Let's read Romans chapter 8, verse 18. And it says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. This is a guy who really understands suffering. I mean, he's been beaten, he's been left, beaten, left for dead, he's been shipwrecked multiple times, bitten by vipers. I mean, he knows suffering. And he's not saying that there is no pain. He's not saying that there is no suffering. He is pointing to the hope. He is pointing to the reality of heaven and to the everlasting joy and peace that is yet to come that is to be forever and ever and ever. Now, that is joy to the world. Let's look at number two. The Christmas story also reveals that even in times of disorder and uncertainty, Jesus came to lead us through it all. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. You know, the video opener today really captured uncertainty and disorder that we have all experienced this last year. But when you think of Mary and Joseph, they too know what disorder and what uncertainty is all about. Imagine what they must have felt and what they must have been thinking as they hurried to pack their little bags of their meager belongings in the middle of the night to head out to a place called Egypt where they've never been before. All because God had spoken to Joseph in a dream. There was a children's department, and they were putting on a Christmas party, which included the story of Mary and Joseph coming, well, of course, to the end. And a boy named Joey wanted the position or the role of being Joseph for obvious reasons. But when the part was handed out to a boy named Henry, well, he wasn't very happy about that. And Joey, well, he was assigned to be the innkeeper. Joey now didn't like Henry much at all. And Joey was pretty upset, but he never told, you know, the play director what was going on in his little heart and how he was upset. So during the rehearsals, Joey thought about what he might do on the night 
of the big play. Well, here comes finally the night of the performance, and Mary and Joseph came walking across the stage, and they knocked on the door of the inn. And the innkeeper, well, that's being Joey, opens up the door and asks in a real gruff voice, What do you want? And Joseph responded, We'd like to have a room. And suddenly the innkeeper threw the door wide open and said, Great! Come on in! I'll give you the best room we have in the, in the inn. Well, little Joseph and Mary looked at each other, not knowing what to do. And Joseph, in quick wit, he just leaned forward and he looked back and forth as though if he was looking into the end. And then he says, look at this dive, this slump. No wife of mine is ever going to sleep here. Come on, Mary, let's get on over to the barn. <laughs> and they were back on track with the play. Wow. You know, Herod was a little like Joey. He, he too thought he could disrupt the story of God. And God quickly gave both the wise men and Joseph a heads up about the rival Herod who sought to bring harm. And once again, the story was back on track. But not without some uncertainty. I've been privileged to travel to a few foreign nations. I've been to Japan. I've been to Sri Lanka and Bulgaria and a bunch of other different little places. But whenever I've traveled, you know, the group that we would always go with, it was already predetermined. All the arrangements were prearranged where we would go, how we would get there, where we would sleep, who would prepare the. Everything was prearranged. But if you're Mary and Joseph and you're fleeing to Egypt, a foreign land, not knowing where you would sleep, you have no idea if there's going to be security issues. You have no idea where you're going to get food, if they would sell to you because you're foreigners, even if you have some gold. There's so much uncertainty. You have no idea what your future will really be like. All they knew was that God was leading them to Egypt. They had been told by an angel that Jesus was to be the Savior, the Messiah, that He would save His people from their sins. But what was Mary and Joseph's responsibility in this story? It, it, what were they supposed to be doing? How were they to raise the Son of God? What were they to do next? And, and what did the future hold for them in response to Jesus growing up and becoming a grown man? There was just so much uncertainty to it all. Even in the uncertainty that Mary and Joseph were experiencing, they had one great advantage. They knew that God was leading the way and that God would take care of them. And folks, we too know that God is leading the way 
And that He will never leave you or forsake you. Our country in our future as a nation is uncertain right now. People of all ages are concerned and even fearful about the future of our country. And what does it mean to the individual? But as Christians, <laughs> when God is leading us, just like He was leading Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus, he and even the wise men, He would deliver them, and He would care for them and provide for them. We're no different. God will do the same for us. They had this little baby named Jesus who one day would grow up to be a man who would teach about how God would care, how God cares for even the birds of the air. Let's be reminded of Matthew chapter 6, verse 26 and 27. Jesus says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? You know, as a Christian, we have the advantage of knowing that while we do not know what tomorrow holds, we do know who holds our tomorrow's in his hands and he wants us to let him lead the way and that is part of the message of christmas here's number three there is death but god came to overcome it there was brutal death long ago in bethlehem as the cries of the innocent baby boys pierced and flooded the air. The victims of the, of the king's insanity and his selfishness and his wickedness. But one child, one baby boy was saved, carried off to Egypt. And yet the child one day would voluntarily become a victim himself. But his death would be different. He died on a cross, not for his own sins, but the sins of mankind. For me. For you. And because Jesus became the sacrifice for our sins, death was defeated. Yes, there is death in this world. But God so loved the world that He sent His Son to overcome it. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We'll go through 53 to 57. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. For our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the Scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. 
But thank God He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ding of death. Because Jesus Christ conquered death and has given us victory over it. It's true. This world is not our home. And the grave is not our final stop. A story is told about a, well, a pastor and his family, how they started putting up the nativity scene out on the front lawn of their home. And all of them were, all of the family members were carrying out the different figures. You know, they had the Mary and the Joseph and the shepherd and the, and the wise men and the manger and baby Jesus and the star and animals. And, and it just was beautiful out there. But then little, little Scotty comes out and he's carrying one of his favorite toys, a big Tyrannosaurus Rex. And he's bringing it out and he wants it out there. And dad, you know, pastor is trying to say, hey, 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 you know, there's no dinosaurs in the Christmas story. Sorry, buddy, you can't put it out here. And he tried to talk to him. He tried to say, listen, dinosaurs didn't exist during the time of Jesus. But you know what? Little Scotty wasn't having anything to do with it. Well, finally, he said, okay. So there you have this big Tyrannosaurus Rex behind the nativity scene, towering over, looking at everybody there, including baby Jesus in the manger. And then, he, then the pastor said, as he stood back, and as he looked at the nativity, it dawned upon him that maybe that dinosaur was saying more than what we realized. That over each of us, there is this menacing character that threatens to try to rob, to steal, kill, and destroy all of our joy, all of our peace and cheer. But then Christmas comes. And reminds us that the baby in the manger is stronger than all of the dinosaurs, all of the menacing characters in our life, in my life, in your life. And God has given us victory through, through Jesus over all of it. Even a crazy election. Greater is He that's in me than he that's in the world. God, through Jesus Christ, has come to help us in times of suffering, to lead us in times of uncertainty, to give us victory over death. And once again, today, he offers himself and his heaven to you and to me. Will you receive it? Jesus came for you. That you may have purpose. If we have learned anything this past year, we have learned that nothing in this world is certain except the promises of God. Let's all give thanks. Let's give thanks to our Lord and our Savior for His faithfulness, for His unending and abounding love and joy and grace and mercy. He loves you. For God so loved the world. Merry Christmas. God bless you. Let's pray. 
Well, Father, we thank you for your goodness. And I just pray, Lord, for each and every person watching this, that, Lord, for some of them who have been facing suffering and pain and hardship, that you would give them hope that in all of this uncertainty, that you will guide them to a place, Father, in Egypt of sorts, where you will care for them and take care of them. And Father, be able to bring them back when it's time. Nothing is impossible with you. We pray, Father, help us to find the Mary in this Christmas. Lord, your will, Lord, your way, in Jesus' holy name, amen. God bless. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.